beautiful people and welcome back to the Oh My Soul podcast. How are we feeling today? Are we feeling happy? Are we feeling optimistic? Are we feeling overwhelmed, a little bit anxious? Um, Or are you like me and after what seems like 100,000 days of being in the house, or having to stay at home, you're just tired of being told what to do. Like, I am tired of being in the house. Um, I'm tired of not being able to be around people. Because for me and my job, I'm usually, well, most people when they go to work, they work with people, but I'm around people all day long. Like, and I did not appreciate it as much as I do now because I used to get overwhelmed with the amount of kids that would come into my classroom all the hours that I was at work. But now I'm like, I wish that somebody would come interrupt me and my thoughts. But I do understand the purpose in all of this. um, And I understand that we have to heal our world. So I'm just going to thug it out. And I'm going to spend today talking to you guys. So today we're going to be talking about dreams, dreams that you have for the future, dreams that you're currently working on, or maybe dreams that you put to the side because maybe they seemed a little bit unrealistic because I know that I've done that. Um, And I'm going to start off by telling you guys a little bit about my story, about how I ended up where I am on today. So I was always good at math and science growing up. Um, I always had A's or maybe sometimes a B in math or science. And when I was going applying for college, people would tell me like, oh, you should be an engineer because you are a black woman. That's a population that is underrepresented in the STEM field. And I was like, hmm, why not? My dad's an engineer um, and engineers make good money, right? Because as a high schooler going to college, thinking about a major, For me, money was the motive. Like all you had to do was tell me that they made good money. And I was like, sure, sign me up. So I I went to North Carolina A&T State University and I was, I went in as a computer engineering major. Now, after that first semester, I was like, somebody hand me the major change form because I am not doing this. Um, If you know anything about coding, if you've ever coded anything before, it was, it was not for me. I did not want to do it. I was not interested. And so I ended up changing my major to bioengineering because I loved science more than I loved the math aspect. In bioengineering, you got to take you got to take a lot of biology, chemistry, a lot of science classes. And I just enjoyed it more. Um, It was kind of like being a doctor without actually having to be a doctor. And so that's what I ended up doing. Um, and I was really good at it. I was really good at it. It was a small department. We were very close knit and I loved that because it was a new program at A&T at the time. And so I got to know my professors very well and I just, I did well in the program. Um, and so while I was in undergrad, I started doing research because I wanted to, honestly, I started because I wanted to make my own money. My, Um, parents, they provided everything for me. Um, I had a scholarship to school, thankfully. Um, But my parents would provide necessities like, and you know, occasionally, if I wanted to do something, they would give me money, but I wanted more money. And so I was like, instead of just having to ask them all the time for stuff, I was like, I'm going to find a way to make my own money. So I started doing research. And I was introduced to this research program. And somebody told me that they paid $1,600 a month. And I was like, sign me up. I don't, I don't even care what I have to do. Just sign me up. 
Um, so I did end up learning more about it. But $1,600 as a college student, I you couldn't tell me anything. I was rich. Um, but what you had to do was you had to do research um, and you had to present your research at conference research at conferences. Um, and that wasn't a problem because they paid for you to go to the conferences like they paid for the flights. They paid for the hotel. They gave you per diem for food. So like all you had to do was go and present your poster. Um and so I got to go to California. I got to go to Nashville and stay at the Gaylord. Um, so I got exposed to a lot and I'm very thankful for it. And I'm also thankful that it gave me the opportunity to step outside of my comfort zone and like kind of grow in not liking to talk in front of people because that was not something that I liked to do. Um, the other stipulation of the program was that you had to apply to a PhD program. You had to, like, there was no other option. They made you fill out the applications, go on the interviews, and all of those things if you wanted to stay in the program. And so I was like, sure, that's no problem. I'll, I'll go to grad school. Like, what else am I going to do? Um, get a job, maybe? But I was like, I'll, I'll go to grad school. That's fine. I'm good at school. And so I, the one thing about my undergrad career, though, I will say is that BS usually stands for Bachelor of Science. But my BS stood for actual BS because I will say that I was never one of those people that actually had to study. Throughout high school, the first two years of college, I could just rely on my intelligence to kind of help skate through. Um, and that's what I did. And when I got to grad school, I realized that you can't do that in grad school. I mean, you can to an extent, but you actually have to rely on your not like the things that you have learned and actually apply them to these new concepts that you are learning because now you are becoming an expert in the field. And so because I kind of was able to BS my way through undergrad, I struggled really bad in grad school. Um, and it's not it's not auntie's fault at all. It was purely my fault um, because I did not like to study. So I ended up in grad school. First of all, people should tell you how grad how hard grad school is. And if they do tell you how hard grad school is, actually listen to them because I didn't. Um, but the first semester of grad school, um, there was one class that was really hard. It was it was a lot of math and it was a lot of coding. And so the math part, I could like, I could get through the math part, but the coding part, I didn't, I was, I didn't know how to do that. Um, I did not know how to do that because I didn't have to code like this in undergrad. And so um, I did not end up, I ended up withdrawing from the class the first semester. And then the next class that was kind of complementary to that one that I took the second semester, I ended up failing. Um I ended up failing for a couple of reasons. One, because the material was just, I struggled really bad. Um, and then two, I was in a group project and one of our group members plagiarized. So we all broke the project up into sections and she ended up plagiarizing her part of the project. And of course, in grad school, they're going to check your work. And they came to us and like, your project is plagiarized. And me and the other girl are looking at each other like, what? What you mean it's plagiarized? And so we ended up failing that project, which was a large part of our grade. And so I ended up failing the class. So that was the first year of grad school. And on top of that, I was having relationship issues. And so in May of 2015, I walked into my advisor's office and I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And he looked me in my face and he's like, you know what? You're right. 
I don't think you're ready for this. I don't think A&T prepared you well enough for this rigor of work. And I was like, hold on now. Hold on now. I was like, it's not A&T's fault. It is not A&T's fault. It is solely Jasmine's fault. It is solely my fault. Um, I just was not ready for grad school. And so he said, okay, we came to an agreement that I would finish out the research portion of uh, my first year. I would finish that through the summer um, so that I could continue to like get paid. Um, and then I would leave. And so that's what I did. Well, about two weeks after I made that decision, I realized that that might not have been the smartest decision because I didn't come up with a plan of what to do after I decided I was going to leave. Um, I told him I was going to leave with no plan in place. And so I went back to him and I was like, is there any way that I cannot leave grad school? And he was like, well, I mean, I'm sure we can figure out something, but I've given the money that was allotted for you to be here and for you to conduct research. I've given it to somebody else that's in the lab. And at first I was a little, I was a little butthurt, but I do understand that, you know, if you decide that you're not going to do something, they have to keep pushing with their program. Like they cannot depend on me. And so of course he gave the money to somebody else. And so I was like, okay. I ended up trying to get out of the engineering program and go to a translational biology program that was also at Wake Forest. I met with a couple of advisors. They seemed really nice. We clicked really well. And what ended up happening was they, before they agreed to let me work with them, they went back to my original advisor to kind of reference check. And he told them that I wasn't prepared for grad school rigor. And so I was actually really upset about that because I didn't feel like, It was fair. I didn't feel, I feel like it was two different types of programs. And just because I was not able to handle one doesn't mean that I wouldn't be able to handle the other because one is purely science. The other is heavy math. And so the engineering, the math part was what I struggled with. I'll be completely honest. The math part was what I struggled with in the engineering program, but the science part I was fine with. And so I felt like I would have excelled in the other program, but That's neither here nor there. And so um, I did not get to transfer to the other program. And so in the middle of the summer, I'm over here stuck and a little scared, actually, because I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. Like, I have no idea. Like the dream that I had had to become an engineer, to get my Ph.D., to work in a lab, to do research for the rest of my life. Like that dream is out the window. Like, what am I supposed to do? And so I had been applying for jobs um, constantly, like the whole summer and nothing. I had got, I had heard nothing. I got either got denied or I heard nothing from most of the jobs. And so as a last result, and I'll say last result, because I think it's, I think it's ironic. I went to this local school district website and I had, I had gone there originally, but I was like, I didn't even get um, asked to, you know, be a teacher, but I can understand that because I was like, I don't have any teaching experience. Of course, they don't want me to be anybody's teacher. And so I went to the school district website again, just to look. And I really, I saw that I had not actually submitted my application. And so I submitted my application. This was like the beginning of August. Like we're pushing it. Like I needed to be done. Like I think it was August 15th, actually, that I had to be, um, out of the lab, like I was going to be out of a job. And this was like the very beginning of August. I submitted my application and literally the day after, I kid you not, six different high schools called me. And I was looking at, I was like, God, God, 
this what you want from me? Because this is a very clear sign that this is what, like, this is where I'm supposed to go. And so, um, I was, I was so overwhelmed because I wasn't expecting to hear anything back. First, I had applied to so many jobs that had not said anything or either like denied my application that I was like, I have no experience being a teacher. Like, I'm not going to get anything back from this. But to have six schools call me, I was so overwhelmed with gratitude. I was like, that's nothing but God. Like, that is nothing but God looking out for me because in two weeks, I'm going to be jobless and I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent. And so I um, ended up interviewing with my first school. The first school I interviewed with ended up being the school that I actually uh, decided to teach at. And I was so optimistic. I went in... I was like, I am a young black woman and I'm going to come in and I'm going to inspire these young black children and shape and mold their minds. And after that first week, I was like, what did I sign myself up for? Like, I was so unaware of how hard it actually is to be a teacher and the amount of work that they actually do. Like, I grew up playing school with my friends and we would grade papers and make assignments, but that is not all that teaching entails. Like I was not prepared for the emotional, like the mental capacity that you have to have in order to be a teacher, especially when you teach at the demographic of schools that I now have come to love teaching at, but you have to have a certain mental capacity and emotional stability to be able to work at those schools because those kids need a different level of yourself that if you've never tapped into it's going to be it's going to be a shock it's going to be like jumping into cold water and so i that was the beginning of my teaching career i ended up transitioning to DC same demographic of kids just different location And I began to get into the groove of how to actually be a good teacher and actually see what these kids needed. And over time, I grew to not really care about the content that I was teaching them. And as a teacher, I know that probably sounds really bad, but I learned that the kids that I was working with and the kids that I currently work with, they need so much more. Like I've taught chemistry and now biology. They need so much more than chemistry and biology Like I get it if they want to go to college and they want to do something in the science field, but I've had kids come to me and tell me stories about seeing their parents get killed in front of them. Kids tell me that they don't have food to eat. Kids tell me that they've been, you know, molested or raped. And I, I have grown to the place of like schools for kids, like Schools for kids specifically, and I'm going to say specifically this demographic, black and brown kids from underrepresented or underserved like communities, they need so much more than schools are are able to or are willing to give at this point in time. They need so much more um, mental health. They need so many more mental health services. They need they need so much more love. They need so much more outside of academics and schools are so content heavy they are so driven to push tests like to to have high test scores and I get it because that's where funding comes from but you see the need and so I've gotten to a place in my life now where I'm like I see the need I've seen the need for the last five years and now I want to do something about it so something that I didn't talk about was when I left grad school God God provided for me so much but one thing that 
I didn't handle very well. And over the past five years, I've had to learn to let go was the failure that I felt from leaving grad school. I felt like a complete failure. Um, And although I realized that in that failure that I felt, I found my purpose, like I, I struggled really bad. Like I saw my friends that had started grad school the same time as me graduating with their PhDs. Um, And all I could think constantly was like, that could have been me. That should have been me. I could, I should have stuck it out. I could have been done. Um, And I especially felt like that when teaching got really hard. Like the moments that teaching is really hard. I'm like, I could have done something else. Like, what am I doing with my life? Um, But over time, and again, maturity and growth, I've learned that my life isn't about me. My life isn't about me. And I know that might sound crazy for some people, but my life has a purpose. God has a purpose for me here on this earth. And it is my duty to fulfill that purpose. And I think that my purpose is somewhere in education, um, at least for right now. Um, I know that it always has been surrounded. And like my purpose has always been something dealing with helping people. Um, I've always known that. And I originally thought like, ooh, I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to come up with new devices and make a vaccine to cure diseases. Like that's originally what I thought it was going to be. But that's not what it is. And I've learned that and I've become okay with that. And so I say all of that to say, I decided to stop focusing on the failure that I felt. And I decided to, that it was time to do something about all of these things that I saw that these schools needed, all of these things that I saw that these kids needed. So last school year, so the 2018-2019 school year, I actually applied to school to become a psychologist because I was like, the things that the kids face, they need, again, more mental health services. And I was like, if I become a psychologist, I can kind of create programming that will address these issues for kids that will actually help schools in their their goals of higher test scores. If we can address the underlying issues, which I think are mental health issues, then the kids will be able to focus better and then they can they can learn better. And so I applied to become a psychologist and I got denied. And so that that denial went like went back to that feeling of failure again. I'm like, okay, well, I I dropped out of grad school and now nobody nobody wants me to be in their program. Um, and so over the last year, I've had to deal with that feeling. I was able to shake it a little bit better because again, growth and maturity. Um, but I was like, okay, instead of looking at it as like being denied, um, like maybe that just wasn't what I was supposed to do. And so this year I wrestled back and forth with like, do I apply again to a psychology or like a counseling program? because I know the issue is mental health, or do I do something um, in terms of like administrative to actually make the changes that I wanna see? And so I ended up applying for an education policy and leadership program because I felt like a lot of times we have people in education policy that make these um, policies and initiatives and they've never stepped foot in the classroom. They don't actually know what the kids need. They don't actually know what the kids want um, or what would be helpful. And I feel like from my experience and what I've seen, I feel like I have a lot to offer. And so I was like, let me let me just apply to this program. So I applied, honestly, not thinking anything of it. I was like, if I get denied, I get denied because I cannot get my hopes up again to be let down or to be shut down. I can't I can't do it. And so I applied and 
on Monday, I got a call that I got accepted. And the first thing that came to my mind, first of all, after thank you, Jesus, was dreams deferred don't mean dreams denied. My original dream was to be a doctor of sorts. Um, That is what I had laid my whole life out to be. Um, But that got denied. Like that got that got deferred. Let me not say it got denied. It got deferred. But that doesn't mean that my dreams of being something great got denied. It doesn't mean that my dreams of being something great got denied. And so although I'm not in a program to become a doctor in education policy, this opens up the doors to do that if I see fit. So I could still be a doctor one day, just maybe not in the way that I thought. And so I'm here to tell you today that just because maybe your dream got off course, maybe you shouldn't throw it away just yet. Or maybe the dream that you had for yourself, maybe that isn't the dream that God had for you. And maybe you should open your eyes to see and open your heart to see what it is that God would have you to do. What is it that he's pulling you to? Don't give up hope just yet because something that you wanted, just because it's not happening right now, doesn't mean it won't ever happen. Sometimes we need to grow. Sometimes we need to mature. Sometimes we need to learn before the things that we want can actually come to fruition. And so whatever it is that you are wrestling with today, put it in God's hands. Rest in him and trust that he has a plan for you and that his plan for you is so much greater than anything that you could ever imagine. You want to be excited When he finally says yes, because he could be saying no to protect you from something. You don't know that. And if you trust him and you believe that what he says is true, he has something so great for you. And he's not going to let you settle for anything other than that. And so my challenge to you today is to don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on your hopes. Just open your heart to the fact that maybe they look different than what you were expecting them to look like. Trust God, rest in him because he's got you.